0: Hawks Hawks Live every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on
1: 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer here, Hawks Live every Thursday at 7 p.m., right here on 710 ESPN. It's been a while, Paul.
0: It's been a while. It has been. I I was thinking, uh, as you know, my, my daughter and her husband were in town, and they brought their little puppy, a little boxer. Little boxer. I know this is really off the wall, but I was thinking in dog years, it's been 14 weeks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're the numbers guy. It's you, been a long went, time. It's been a long time. Yeah. Should have left you. Yeah. Without a dope beat to step two. That is a rap lyric there, Paul, if you didn't know what, what I was doing. Yeah,
0: like, like I haven't followed it. You know what I listen to on my way here?
1: <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. We'll save that for another day. We'll save that. Yeah. Well, these Hawks are 5-0. and oh, Yeah. And we had an interesting conversation before we got on air, and you could nitpick the Hawks, however you want to do it. You can say the offense is this, the defense is that. Look at these numbers. Look at those numbers. They're 5-0, though. Everyone should just relax and enjoy the ride, right? I, I, I was listening to Eric Biennemi, who's the
0: offensive coordinator for Kansas City. And by the way, he is, he is an absolute leader. I love listening to him. And he brought up about stats. And he said, you know, I, I and again, he's more eloquent than, than I'm going to, but he basically said this game is about – alphabets, yep. and it's one is the W, mm-hmm. it's win, and the other one's the L, and the loss. He goes, what we do, and why stats don't matter to us, we don't even look at them, is every week, all we're trying to do is get the W, once that game's over, we go into a brand new game plan. It. And it's we we may know the defense is going to give up some yards. Well, here's what we got to do offensively. It, he was so good at how he said. It. Basically, stats are for losers, and we're just <laughs> nitpicking on these stats. The Seahawks come up with timely stops when they need to. We've had a lot of double digit leads uh, at the end of the day. The only thing that really matters is the W, the alphabet.
1: And I, I'm with you. And that's what. And I'm I'm on the same page with you. And because we saw this defense. They got this, this game going the second half. Yes, the offense came out, they scored first, and the defense caused two turnovers. But without those two turnovers, what does the offense look like? Are they really going to get going? Who knows? But to see that defense perform when they needed it the most, to see K.J. drop back into a flat, catch with one hand, okay. to see, see them force a fumble with the quarterback, scoop it up. I mean, it, they're doing the right things at the right time. Are they giving up a bunch of yards? Okay. They're 5-0. and oh. Everybody relax, take a chill pill, just enjoy the ride. They're going to find ways to win games, and win, and if they lose, don't crucify them.
0: Yeah, I, I really look at this defense, and again, I'm, I'm a bit of a dog, so it was 14 weeks ago, so I can't remember all the plays uh, in the Minnesota game. But, but I really do look at, let's just start putting this into quarters. Let's look at the first four games. And then let's look at this defense the next four games, and then the next four, and then the next four. I just want to see improvement. We've seen improvement the last two weeks. We haven't given up a lot of big plays. We need to continue to play good team defense. And I, I won't—I don't call out names, but there's some veteran guys that need to play team defense, not not running underneath some blocks. I, that first drive in Minnesota, yeah. Look, if we just play the defense the way it's designed, we're probably off the field a couple a couple times. They convert a lot of third downs there. And and they probably don't score a touchdown. And we're getting better at that. We have good players. The secondary. There's four Pro Bowl caliber players. Linebacker. There's two Pro Bowl caliber players there. Defensive line, we're still figuring that one out. But they're getting better. So I just, again, we're never going to be, we're not going to be a top 15 defense statistically at the end of the year. We're too far behind. But if all of a sudden we're playing top 15 defense in the last two quarters of the season, uh, look, we're we're a Super Bowl contender for sure.
1: So now we're talking about ignoring the numbers and just appreciating what's going on. Chris Carson, everyone's going to say, look, he's ranks 24th in the NFL with 289 yards through five games. But he's had some signature moments, and he's helping out in the past game as well. Do you think we're ever going to see... Um, a game this year where he gets that 25, 25 carries, 122 touchdowns. And do we even need to see that at all? As long as they're winning, it, should we be okay with Chris Carson getting fed the way he is?
0: Yeah, I I, I heard somebody talk about Drake, the, the running back for Arizona, who's very good. He's, he's my, actually, he's my biggest concern going into this game, as, as, as well as Hopkins and Murray are uh, too. But um, he has about 35, 40 more carries than Chris Carson. People say, well, he's got to carry the ball more. We're 5-0. and o. Why do we need to have him, to, what, to fill up the stat sheet?
1: Yes, I precisely.
0: And, again, I get that we've got to have stuff to talk about. We've got two hours to fill. So we've got to talk a little bit about what needs yeah. to get better, right? Yeah. But it, every week is a new week. Find a way to get the alphabet W and then move on to the next one. And statistics don't matter.
1: Russell Wilson. He's playing at a high level. He's, still he's playing the,
0: more than at a high level.
1: He's still the MVP in my book. I yes. was waiting to see what Aaron Rodgers did to see if he was kind of going to stay in the race. Right now, I think it's all Russell Wilson. Let's talk about that last drive again. I mean, it's been a couple weeks, so it's kind of fresh Four, to us. Weeks. all over again. In dog years, remember and dog 14, years. Sorry, yeah. fourteen weeks in, and dog, in dog, weeks. Years. dog 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 weeks. weeks. Dog weeks. Um, his ability to kind of lock things in. I was talking on a podcast with Nas Nasochovy earlier today, and I was like. When things are going bad, I realize they're going bad, and I'm like, we need to turn this thing around. When things are going good, I'm like, all right, things are going good. Let's keep this thing rolling. But he has a way of staying kind of right in the middle of things and attacking every situation the same way. I didn't have that capability. What were you like as a player? <laughs> oh, man.
0: You, you're going to go from Russell playing at the, one of the greatest <laughs> levels ever hey. and how was I as a player? <laughs> oh, man, that's not even – people don't even want to hear about that. Um, I think we all think we're – In the moment, we we didn't you don't play in the NFL if you don't, you know, have some sense and feel for the game. Right. Um, I'm going to talk, though, about Russell Wilson in that last drive. And I do remember it was actually the very first play at that drive. We're backed up. Mm -hmm. Right. He goes back to pass it. I don't know what he I I have no idea why he decided to take off and run. Well, I do after I watched the film Uh and how he sensed it. But he sensed this rush coming from his right. It was actually before it got there, and he took off at the perfect time, and he, and that got him out of the hole and really started that drive along the way. He only completed a couple passes in that drive, but it was just a, a scramble ability. It was the big play when he needed it. Um, there's just there's no way to describe him. And you're right, Aaron Rodgers is who I thought he is, okay. or or what. It meant. That's probably bad grammar. He is he's there are some guys that no one likes pressure no one likes to get hit there are some though that are worse than others he's one of them he will not stand there he will not stand and and step into the throw he's always throwing off his back foot he, his body language completely changed and that's what separates him from Russell Wilson Russell's body language never changes. never changes it's the next play it's the the new hope i mean every play is a new hope he is so special he is playing not just great you guys he's playing at a at a top three level all time that's how good he's playing right now so uh, i can't put myself any experience like he has
1: <laughs> well neither can i paul neither can i well
0: what? i was going to ask you but we're probably out of time
1: we're out of time <laughs> all right. well we talked about the vikings coming up next we'll dive into the seahawks week seven opponent with darren urban from the com right here on hawks live Hawks live every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hawks live every Thursday, 7 p.m. right here on 710 ESPN. I'm Michael Bumpus. He is Paul Moyer. And now we get to talk to Darren Urban from Cardinals.com. Darren, how you doing, man? I'm doing
0: good. How are you guys?
1: We are doing okay. Now, I wanted to ask you a question about a certain player, but my compadre here is going to shoot his shot. and Take it away there, Paul.
0: Oh, we're starting it off. Well, first of all, I mean, Arizona, I don't know if it's a surprise. I mean, really good football team. Look, Looked good last week. But we, we've we got a local kid here, went to University of Washington, also Bellevue High School. And I, I, I can't say I coached him. Uh, he was a freshman uh, when I was, was coaching at Bellevue High School. But Buddha Baker and Knew he's going to be special, but just share what he is as a player and even just as a person. What you know about him?
2: Well, I mean, Buddha's a great kid. That uh, that's that's goes without saying. Um, he's one of my favorite guys on the team, uh, and he's really blossomed into exactly what they were hoping he was going to be when they took him when they traded up for him in the second round to get him, which was a, a dynamic. Uh, force on the back end of the defense. Um, he made the Pro Bowl last year, um, but he is playing easily his best football over these first six games. Actually, five games. He missed a game because he had to have thumb surgery. He only missed one game, and they m- missed him dearly, and then he came back and was playing unbelievable. And and the, the, just where he was Monday night, all over the field, forcing a fumble, getting an interception, delivering a sack, uh, he is—he uh, he just has no regard for his body. Um, he is everything you want in a football player, and um, it, he absolutely is going to earn a Pro Bowl spot again this year just because he's that good of a player now.
1: Hey, Darren, me and Paul were sitting here talking about Kyler Murray and how his, I guess, mechanics aren't traditional. He, he flicks his wrist, he falls away, falls out of throws. Is that a concern? When he goes 9 for 24, is that something that's brought up or – Are the coaches just ready to deal with that and move on?
2: Well, I mean, obviously the the numbers themselves, you want to do better than nine for 24. And he has missed some throws uh, that he doesn't – he shouldn't be missing. Let's put it that way. Um, Some of the other throws he missed the other day had to do with where the receivers were or not being on the same page as as much as accuracy. And and the reality is is, – you know, you, you can't be doing that every game, but at the same time, uh, for a guy that went 9 for 24, he, he dominated that game because of his legs, because of the, some of the throws he did hit. So um, I think if he's able to fix some of those issues, they're only going to jump as, in terms of an offense. I don't think he, he hasn't been as accurate this year as he was last year. I'm not sure what the reason was, but I don't think there's a whole lot of concern at this point
0: what what are they offensively I mean you know the identity of every team you know going in and you know whether they're a throwing team or running team you know what do they want to do I mean they obviously they've got talent across the board I mean they can throw it they can run it but what, what is their philosophy you think going into each game well
2: ultimately um you know look I don't think there's maybe with the exception of Tennessee and even then I would I would worry about that a little bit. I mean, in the NFL these days, if you're not a throwing team, you're not going to win significant games. You might you might be able to run a lot, but you better be able to throw or you're not going to win a title, in my opinion. So um, ultimately, with Cliff Kingsbury, he wants to be able to throw the ball. But you know, what makes the Cardinals offense go right now is having some balance. They, they've finally got King and Drake going a little bit. And the X factor of Kyler Murray potentially running the ball. And we've seen it with what the Baltimore Ravens were doing. It's, it's a different kind of running than what the Baltimore Ravens have done with Lamar Jackson. I don't think anybody's thinking Lamar Jackson is the pure passer that an Aaron Rodgers is, but because of his threat to run the ball, it makes their running game that much better, and it makes their passing game that much better. And that's what we saw Monday night. It, it's basically an offense that revolves around Kyler Murray. They're going to want to throw it uh, a, a lot when it's there, um, but ultimately when they run it, are you worried about Kyler Murray doing his own read or keeping it himself? Are you worried on a passing play of Kyler Murray scrambling and beating you for 15 yards when you think you've got all your guys covered? Um, I mean, that's the other part about this team. You can't always go by the number of passing attempts versus running attempts because a handful of those running attempts over game is going to be a pass play that Kyler just turned into a running play. So, I think ultimately it's, it's an offense that revolves around Kyler Murray, and if he's hot throwing the ball, you can go there. And if he's not, you can still kind of fall back on him kind of anchoring a running attack and doing it that way.
1: Darren, I'm a receiver guy, so I love seeing receivers go to work. <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins, 47 receptions, 601 yards, two touchdowns in six games. What has it been like to watch him go to work up close? He's
2: he's everything everybody said he was going to be, and that was what was really going to be interesting. I mean, this team, uh, you, you guys have mentioned Buda Baker. This team signed two players to very large extensions during training camp. It was Buda Baker and it was DeAndre Hopkins, and we all know that sometimes when guys get big contracts, that can kind of change how things go, and both those guys are, you could make the argument that those two guys have been the best two players on this team. Um, DeAndre Hopkins has been excellent uh he's still learning kyler murray he's still learning this offense not having the off season, i don't think helped but i mean again you look at it he's leading the league in yards uh yards receiving he's got all the catches I, I, he might be leading the league in receptions i'm not sure um and and that's without a ton of practice in training camp and that's without time with kyler murray and I think they're, those two are only going to get better as they learn each other's game a little bit more, and uh, he's everything—he's everything that everybody said he was. And I would be surprised if he's not an All-Pro again this year for a fourth straight year.
0: You guys are there, there's some talent on this team. We we knew that going in. We we talked about it as our broadcast. You know, what's the team that you're you're worried about? And it's it's Arizona and lots of Murray and some big names. But t- Mention some names maybe our our listeners don't know anything about that uh, are having really good years.
2: Well, I I would probably flip to the defensive side of the ball. Um, You know, the Seattle game will be easily the the biggest test for this defense, especially now that Chandler Jones is out for the season because he uh, tore his bicep muscle. Um, But they've gotten some really nice play from – Byron Murphy of late, another Washington product, uh, who's playing. He had his best game uh, of his career last week against Dallas. Uh, They've had a nice start from Jordan Phillips, a free agent signee, defensive lineman who came from Buffalo. Uh, He's played solid football since he came on. And then Devondre Campbell, uh, who is another free agent, used to play for the Falcons. He's really solidified the inside linebacking core. Those those guys – pop into my head and then finally uh Hassan Reddick, who was a former first round pick they tried to make him inside linebacker for three years and it looked like he was basically a washout uh they finally moved him to outside linebacker at the end of last year and now with Jones out he's out there and I, nobody's going to sit here and say he's Chandler Jones but he is clearly back to where he's most comfortable which is rushing the passer and he's had a very nice season so far so they've it made improvements on defense compared to where they were last year.
0: I, I know one thing, uh, Darren uh, Bump loves all those Washington Husky great players uh, from negative. And there's oh, he's he's a, a Cougar, so that that hurt him. Darren,
1: <laughs> Darren, well, I I appreciate you uh, shedding light on some UW guys. One day, Arizona Cardinals will wisen up and take some Cougars, but until then, Darren, we appreciate hey. you taking some time out of your day, man. It,
2: they do have Jalen Thompson, who could play this week coming off IR. So, there, there is one Cougar there. There we go. We got one.
1: There you go. Appreciate you, Darren. All right, Darren, All right, thank thanks. you. All right, coming up next, we chat with Seahawks tied in Uncle Will Disley right here on Hawks Live.
3: Hawks Live, every
1: Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hawks live every Thursday, 7 p.m. right here on 710 ESPN. I'm Michael Bumpus. He is Paul Moria. And right now we get to talk to Will Disley. Will, how you doing, man? I'm great. Thanks for having me on, man. How are you guys? Hey, we're all right, man. I appreciate you taking time out of your day. Now, I got a confession to make, Will. I am a, a Washington State Cougar. Oh. You are my favorite Husky of all time, Will. I'm just going to throw that out there real quick, man. That's hard for me to say on air, but I love watching you play. I had to get that out the way, Paul. Go ahead. I was going to ask
0: him, thing. why is he your favorite player? Just because he's, all time.
1: he's versatile. He yeah. started off as a DN, now he's playing tight end. He's one of the best tight ends in the game. That's why
0: that's a great transition right there. Will I look, I've always liked you. Will. I went to Arizona state, but I'm a Husky fan. Cause I've been here for 30 plus years. Hey, um, Will, he, he mentioned you weren't always a tight end. Talk, talk about your, just your time when you're at UW, you were, you were playing on the defensive line. What what happened there and, and how did the whole switch come about?
4: Yeah. I mean, I, I played both ways in high school and uh, you know, just having fun playing the game that I love and, um, went to U-Dub and, and they thought I was best suited to play D-line and my true freshman year you know we had an unbelievable year we had Danny Shelton and Haliki Kaha and um, you know they had a record setting sack year and it was really fun to be a part of and then going those guys all graduated and going into year two you know thought I was going to be the guy and um, you know again we kind of fell behind some studs I mean Travis Feeney who you know played in the NFL for a little while and then Corey Littleton obviously we kind of know him from the Rams and now he's with the Raiders so um, just kind of fell behind the depth chart and things didn't really go the way that I thought and the way the coaches thought it was going to go. And, but that's, that's kind of life. And, um, you know, about the bowl game, I think it was, <clears throat> um, you know, coach was running a, like a seven on seven drill. And I said, Hey, let me jump in here. And I remember jumping in and I think I ran a, you know, six yards sit route and caught a ball and, you know, threw the ball back, had a laugh, and, you know, I think it was Jadon Mickens, he was a senior wide receiver at the time, I was like, hey, man, you just you just got yourself a spot on the offense, and I was like, get out of here, man, I was just having fun, and sure enough, <clears throat> that's, you know, they gave me a few plays in that bowl game, and um, then Coach Pete asked me full-time in spring if I wanted to switch to tight end. and, you know, at the time I was just looking to play, looking to help the team win, and, you know, I think that that junior year when I was full-time tied in, we went and won a Pac-12 championship, and, um, you know, played Bama in the, in the final four. So it was fun. You know, I, I'm really thankful for the transition. I kind of am thankful for the mindset of just taking it day by day and, um, you know, not, not letting the frustration of, you know, not succeeding as a de- defensive lineman get me down and just trying to enjoy the game that I love and attack each day. And, um, it's led me to this point and it's carried me this far in my, my career and hopefully further. Did you
0: always have good hands? Or was it something you thought, okay, I can make this transition? I, I I figure you probably thought you were tough enough to be able to block. But it's the other things, you know, obviously running routes and hands. But did you always have good hands and, and how has that progressed over the years?
4: Yeah, I uh you know, it's funny we were talking about this today and just uh you know how Russ is a multi sport athlete playing baseball and he can play a little basketball and, and I was no different. I mean I played every sport I could imagine you know hockey track and field basketball baseball um soccer when i was a little kid and um, i think that contributed a ton i had two older brothers and you know pretty much when we were playing we were playing catch and um with my dad and everything that went along with it um that definitely contributed so i you know i kind of knew i had that ability um but uh you got to showcase when the ball's thrown. you you just got to catch it so um i don't know and three makes it easy that's for sure <laughs> yeah Hey, well, I had a
1: couple major injuries in my career, and uh, I remember I was with the Hawks. I had the same injury that Cody Parks has had, and I made in the middle of practice. I made the Hawks take me back to the hospital and show me the X-rays. You seem to be so mentally tough. Where did you get that from, or has that something that developed over the past couple years?
4: Uh, I think it's. I think it's developed. I think uh, you know. Actually, it's, it's interesting. It actually started with reading books. Um, I mean, I'm I'm from Montana, so I take a lot of pride in, and being a tough guy but the mentally tough is a whole different ball game, and just you know having that discipline of um focusing daily on on what you want to get done and and trying to ignore the negativity and 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 being neutral Russ talks about and maybe sometimes being positive, whatever it takes, but it really started for me was reading books I read the slide edge, and um just you know taking the power of of building you know daily daily actions to to make something great. And I really believe in that and then I took that and it went into a rehab and so I said, All right, I know if you do small actions daily, you know, you can you can do something great, so let's do that with this rehab and you know, you know, after the fact everyone told me that it was one of the hardest injuries to come back for, but I supplied what I knew, which was, you know, to do the little things, right? To eat right, to sleep right, to go and work my tail off every day and then, you know, the following year you come back healthy and we were playing games again and um I just applied the same thing to the second year. So just reading books is really kind of how it started, which is kind of funny. You, you don't know where it comes from, but, you know, you're, you're going to learn life lessons somehow. So I was hopefully you know, grateful to apply it.
0: You know, well, I, that's um, – I was thinking after the first injury, you know, that, that reading that book and implying all that, you're going, okay, I'm in. But that second time, that second injury, that, how hard was it to get back on that same process?
4: Uh, yeah, and I, I've, I've been pretty open about this is the, the second injury was extremely tough. I mean, I, you know, we had worked our tail off and I had given so much credit to, you know, the trainers and the amazing job that we had done. I was feeling fit was the funny thing. And I was feeling strong. I thought my legs were really strong and, uh, we were playing well and having success. And then to go down, I was like, it was just like you said, did it, did it jeopardize everything that I had known? And it, you know it threw me in a really dark place, and I and I've been able to talk about that, and and you know I've leaned on my family and my friends, and you know fortunately this team is is really special and how close we all are, and, um you know they kind of brought me back out of that, and they were like just be who you are, you know what I mean? Just be consistent, be the daily discipline guy, be positive, you know what I mean? That's who you are. Don't let this change you. Don't let this change your career path. You know your story's never been perfect, but. You know, it's your story. And so I just had to kind of get through those, those dark days and then kind of go into that mindset again of, all right, this is a rehab. I know how to do this, right? I've been through a really gruesome one. I know how to do this. And we just applied the same mindset, and here we are a year later, and good things happen when you, when you just devote yourself to daily disciplines.
0: You've got some motivational speaking uh, aspirations down the road. Uh, you're you're going to be hired because <laughs> you've got, you got a great story, nice. and your message is really
4: good. Yeah. I I mean, I just, I just, you know, it's funny. Everyone gets injured, you know, NFL, I think it's a hundred percent injury rate. And so it's surprising that we don't, you know, have a better grasp of mentally how to get back from these. And um, so I just hope I shed some light, whether it's a senior in high school, that just tore his ACL or whatever, any guy on the team that they can look to me and say, how did you do this? And, and I just hope that they can believe in themselves and, and their mind is so powerful to get them back.
1: It's awesome. Well, Now, you've played on some pretty successful teams. You mentioned that UW team that made it to the Final Four. Now you're on a team that is 5-0, first time in franchise history for the Seahawks. What is the confidence and swag like with this team right now? Do you guys step on the field and just know you're going to get it done? What's it like?
4: I think, uh, you know, there is some confidence, but, you know, anyone that's been on a successful team knows that it comes down to the preparation. I think this team you know, every week feels like we have something to prove. And, you know, there's there's that chip on that shoulder that, that makes us hungry and, and wants us to show that we can beat anyone. And so there's really no overlooking what we have. And, and there is confidence in what we're able to do. But every week we prepare like we have to play our best and we have to show it on Sunday.
0: Well, you've got a couple of former players that are playing really good football right now over at Arizona. Buddha Baker uh, is one of them. He's, he's special. Well, what can you say about those guys? Do you, do you know their weaknesses, Will? Are, you, are we going to be able to exploit them? They're, tell me they're not as good as they looked last week on film.
4: Uh, no, they're special <laughs> players, for sure. I think I think you guys who are fans against UW know how special they can be, and um it'll be a fun reunion i think all all husky fans will be watching this one we got bumped to prime time so it'll be good to reunite with those guys and you know they present a really good challenge but um you know like i said i I have confidence in the guys that we have on our side and um the preparation is going to be a separation and um you know we'll just have to go out and execute on sunday
1: well, we appreciate you taking
4: time, man. Go do your thing. Six and zero. Here you come. Have a
1: good night, sure man. Right.
0: Get some rest. I, I got hey. two touchdowns for you this week. Okay, make it happen.
1: I love it. All right. I love it. All right, it. man. Have a good one. Go Hawks. All right. Well, Thank thanks. All right, we got you covered. All things Seahawks on the coming up next. We talk to John Clayton, the professor, right here on Hawks Live. Hawks, live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Oh yeah, we got that funk going, Paul. 710 ESPN, every Thursday at 7 p.m. And when you hear the funk playing, you know we're talking to John Clayton. John, how you doing, man?
3: Good. Is this not the worst football game you've ever seen? (laughs) I mean, this is so bad. I mean, I had to turn on the... Uh, The election debate, just because, I mean, this is so bad. How can Daniel Jones run 80 yards and trip up at the 10-yard line? That's incredible. He's never
0: ran that far in his life, John. I mean, a 40-yard dash was foreign to him, most quarterbacks, at least, especially (laughs) him. But it did look like all of a sudden he went, this is the farthest I've ever run before. And his leg said, I'm out. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I mean, but as many interceptions and turnovers as he's had, he's had to chase some plays down at certain points where he had to run a certain amount.
0: So, it's, uh, since we're talking about this game, yeah, man, I, I, Jalen Hurst. I mean, they they bring him in. Not I, my guess is to not to be a backup forever. I, I, I mean, at some point, Wentz, I, they got to make a move, don't they?
3: No. They Why? don't. I mean, this was a stupid decision. It was a stupid decision by the Green Bay Packers to take Jordan Love and trade up for him when you have Aaron Rodgers, a Hall of Fame quarterback, and who wanted to be there for at least four more years. And now, you, because of Jordan Love, you have to get rid of him in two. I mean, here, this is a team... And you saw him twice last year that uh, is weak at wide receiver. They need position players. They're the oldest roster in football. And they take a quarterback in the second round who's not a position player in the deepest second round in NFL history. Absolutely stupid. I mean, it's like, okay, so Taysom Hill goes with New Orleans. They made the mistake of paying him $10 million a year, but he was undrafted. You take away a position player who could do really well. I mean, you know, it could have been a DK Metcalf, you name it, and they take him when they have a you know a quarterback making, what, $32 million a year. Stupid.
0: Well, you know, John, that kind of hurts me because every year <laughs> I was playing, they drafted a safety, and you kept saying, that's a good move. That's a good move. <laughs> did I say that? No, um, you didn't. But okay, well, yeah, I, uh, I, I no, think didn't. I did. No, see,
1: I, see Paul, I could have told you. I talked to John didn't say two no, times a week, and I ask him every week, "Is it this was the week?" Kelly.
0: Is Steve Kelly. Steve Kelly used to do it.
1: I ask John every week, "Is this the week that Jalen Hurts gets a shot?" Oh, you do? He, ask shoots him that? he shoots me down every week. He shoots me down every week.
3: So. He
0: shot me down. They normally does not shoot me down that hard, but you know what?
1: Because it was really your question. It was my question. Okay. He knew okay. it. I said up. Because
3: you know, back then, Paul, when I was covering, it's like they're good safeties
1: there you
0: go uh, so
3: there like, you go john it's like, it's like okay so gee should uh, the seahawks bring back earl thomas and uh have him come in no they've got good safeties you had good safeties you were a good safety everybody was a good safety back then
0: see, i like john i'm gonna keep we're gonna keep you john
3: thank yeah. you appreciate that
1: john when do you think we're gonna see snacks harrison
3: i get the feeling this week I mean, unless there's some complications, you know, as far as his conditioning and all that stuff, you know, they need run stoppers because and again, it's not like you're going to see a lot of him. I don't know if it's going to be 10 plays, 15 plays, but they need him on the roster this week because, you know, you're in a period right now where four of the next five teams that you're facing can really run the football. And I tell you, I was looking at some stats tonight and I'm amazed how Cliff Kingsbury has changed since coming in, you know, because he was running, you know, empty, you know, he was running, you know, four receivers, five receivers when he came in. And then he realized, no, this isn't working. I can't totally do my air raid offense. And he went to more two tight ends and they're running a lot of two tight end sets as you see in this entire division. And so, no, I think that, uh, in the end you need the run stopper to help out take a little pressure off of jaron reed take a lot of pressure out of Puna ford stop the run
0: kingsbury still doesn't wear socks though so i i just doesn't can't he really it. yeah he's 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 that gq cool yeah that's dude. not good john let me ask you about this defense and I, I, the they,
3: stinky shoes is what you get we have that, <laughs>
0: well he probably wears a new fresh pair every every week he can afford it John, I've been asked this a bunch, in, or I've been told, you know, the Seahawks need to improve their defense. they got to bring some people in. But, John, you look at the talent on this defense. You know, in the secondary, you can make a case, you know, they're potentially four pro bowlers. You could say the linebacker. I mean, KJ's playing unbelievable. Bobby, obviously, has been in the pro bowl a bunch. D-line, you got Reed, you know, Mayo. I, I think there's some players there. Do they need to improve on the – on players, what do you think it is?
3: Well, what it comes down to is execution. And I think what ends up happening, you know, the team went 5-0. and Troy Aikman said this on Sunday during the broadcast is that uh, don't judge things this year by yards allowed. Judge it by key stops and wins. This team make key stops and wins. They're 5-0, 5-0 in non-division games, but four of the five quarterbacks they faced are pretty good quarterbacks. I mean, quarterbacks that are 4,000-yard quarterbacks and are going to get yards, and if they're going to be behind by double digits in the second half, they are going to put up yards. And so don't judge the yards, judge the play. And certainly they need to tighten things up. I mean, Shaquille Griffin has tightened things up in his last two games or actually last three games, that's good. This is going to be a big challenge now to Quentin Dunbar because mostly everything they do in Arizona with the uh, air raid offense is thrown to the left to DeAndre Hopkins that he needs to stop him. And so you look at that and say, okay, and now really in for the next five games, they're facing running type of offenses. And now it's a matter that's been a little bit of a strength of the team except for the Minnesota game. So just tighten things up and let Russ win and just try to cut the number of points allowed.
0: So do you, do you think the Seahawks stand pat? Do you think they don't make a trade the rest or up until the trade? Well, I wouldn't
3: late? discount that, but I'll tell you what: it's not like they've stand standed pat because think about what they've done quietly, and quietly what they've done is really good. Okay, because they they were able to talk four players into coming in to help the defense. And get him on the practice squad. Think about this, Paul. And again, it's like, I mean, you, you were undrafted, so you in you know, Michael was undrafted. You didn't make you know a lot of money, unfortunately, during your career, particularly in the early years of your contract. But they talked Damon Harrison, who is making nine million dollars a year as a defensive tackle, into taking a practice squad. They talked Michael Kendricks, who at one time was making seven million dollars a year into taking a practice practice squad spot. You know, Ray Ray Armstrong, who didn't make a lot of money, is a good special teams player, practice squad. Demarius Randall, a former first round pick, you know, they got him for the practice squad and now he's on the active roster making the minimum salary. That's adding four players on defense, not a big money, keeps you well under the cap, gives you flexibility, but gives you more talent.
0: Schneider is amazing. He really is.
1: John, we saw the Cardinals on Monday dominate the Dallas Cowboys. Colin Murray didn't play great but they beat him thirty eight to ten. Are the Cardinals that good or are the Cowboys that bad?
3: Cowboys are that bad. I mean, Cardinals are good, but they're not as good as, you know, even I think people think because you think about the idea they're 4-2 and they lost the two games that they should have won, you know, because, you know, Carolina's not good on defense. They lost that game. Detroit's terrible. They lost that game, and it was a home game, and so the the that was a great win at the beginning of the season against the 49ers. Certainly to blow out a bad Dallas, but I think just like we saw with the Rams, they somewhat are a byproduct of the easy starting schedule that they have because they could have been six and zero if they won Detroit and Carolina. And you got inconsistent throwing by Kyler Murray. I mean, they are a good run team. They're a little bit better on the offensive line. Defensively, they uh, you know they're okay. I mean, they're better than I think people thought they were going to be. But again, how much of that is the talent that they faced?
0: All right, John, my favorite time of the, this segment. Um, what question? <laughs> again, this is open uh-huh. segment here for you. What, what question have you not been asked this week that you've been wanting to talk about?
3: Well, what's going on with Pete Carroll as far as not, not, I'm not talking about his knee surgery or anything like that. It was just a scope and all that stuff. But what about his future? And it's like, you know, what I haven't been asked about is like, where are they on a contract extension? And what I'm envisioning is that somehow, some way... Because I know they've been talking, and I would anticipate he's going to get a two- or three-year contract extension because it's needed. I mean, he's going to coach into his 70s. He wants to. He keeps on bringing up Marv Levy and how he coached into his 70s. You know, Nick Saban, I mean, he's going to probably will his way to coach to his 115 because that's just Nick Saban. But I think, you know, Pete Carroll, I think, you know, sometime reasonably soon before the end of the season is going to contract extension. But nobody's asking me about it.
0: Well, thank you for bringing that. Another great segment. I love this part. I really do.
3: John,
1: what is the likelihood of this team going 6 and 0, maybe let's go 7 and 0 on the season?
3: I think it's pretty good because, you know, the tough I think the tougher of the two matchup and I'm not saying this lightly because of Arizona, because against a road game with, I don't know, hardly anybody in a stadium, but, uh, you know, and it's Arizona's a I mean, they're still one of the most improved teams in football. The Ram game's still going to be difficult, but what this team has to do now, and I think they have the ability to do it. Unfortunately, I don't think there doesn't look as though Jamal Adams, who didn't practice today and yesterday, is going to be there. And needed, they needed Jamal Adams in a game against a mobile quarterback yeah. like Kyler Murray, but they also need him in a game where uh, Sean McVay is so good at calling the run plays, and also they need him uh, for San Francisco, which is the next week, and Kyle Shanahan's so good at calling the uh, run plays that they need somebody to stop those motion-running offensive teams. And so I just get the feeling that the tough game's going to be Buffalo because you got two division games. It's going to take a lot out of them. It's going to be an early game in Buffalo, and that can be tough. I say it's an early game in Buffalo, but then, hey, I thought the uh, Seahawks were going to play at 1 o'clock on Sunday, and now they're playing Sunday night, so who knows?
0: i bet you the Seahawks have their first home game this week. They're going to have more fans in the stand than the Arizona Cardinals.
3: Could be. Could be, even though it's not going to make a lot of noise. That's uh, all right.
1: Well, John, we appreciate you taking time out your day, and as always, keep it funky. See you next time. (laughs) You got to. All right. Thanks, John. Thanks. All right, things just went from bad to worse in Dallas. Unnamed players throwing their coaching staff under the bus for their 2-4 start. Who looks worse? Paul Moore and I have both played, and we will give you our thoughts and much more next on Hawks Live.